And now, our feature presentation. Hello and welcome to episode two of Feature Presentation, a mini-series about the art and design of movies. I'm Phoebe Paradise, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Sam McKenzie. Hi, Sam. Hi, Phoebe. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm also good. Yes, we've done it. We're both good. We're <laughs> <laughs> ready to podcast. Yeah, oh, I'm ready to party and podcast. Sam and I, we've challenged six artists to create an original bootleg movie poster of a classic film from a thematic prompt to create a completely new design and interpretation of a classic. And that is movie magic, baby. Yeah. I like that you said challenge as well. Like it's a game. Challenge. I know. Yeah. There's no prizes. People get paid. Yeah. People, yeah. Sorry. We haven't challenged them. We've commissioned them to. Yeah. We're paid artists yeah. to, to do a brief. You know, it just, it, it sounds more fun when you put it in the same terms as like MasterChef or something. Yeah, no, you know what right. I mean? You're uh, always more excited. <laughs> so each of our feature presentations, we do a thematic prompt. Sam, could you please tell us what the thematic prompt is for this uh, season of feature presentation? This is, oh, the feature presentation prompt. Okay, so feature presentation uh, is a art show series we've been doing. Uh, we've done one before, but it's based around the classic a little bit weird format of the Australian Daybill poster, which is unique in that it's kind of a very long, thin, tall poster. Yeah. So that uh, provides its own design challenges. The slender man of the of the movie poster world. <laughs> yeah, if you. Yeah, kind of, yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, so. So the the prompt for this time we've got um, rotoscope lightning as yes. our our main theme, which for is. The two bit cinema club. Yes. Film festival. Brisbane only Rotoscope Lightning Film Festival, a.k.a. Both. 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 And, of course, Rotoscope Lightning is the hand-animated visual shorthand for all things magical, mystical, evil, and otherworldly uh, that was ubiquitous in the early 1980s to early 90s blockbusters. Yeah. You'll know it when you, you'll see it, you'll look it up, and you'll be like, oh, I know that. That's yeah. a very distinct... Uh, like special effects exactly of you, it, that era looks amazing yeah the most like you know it when you see it yeah. effect in in history uh, <laughs> also the coolest one but our first guest for this series is a celebrated and busy as all hell fashion and commercial illustrator she has an undeniable pull towards all things 1980s kitsch and gorgeous and renders some fabulously dynamic characters that would honestly feel right at home in our film selection today i feel oh, yeah. ria isaacs also known as young earl gray is here hello ria how are you what an intro my god <laughs> Hyping me up. Yeah, we've got to like add some like air horns to the yeah, to the background. Yeah. <laughs> Just the Kill Bill siren everywhere, yeah. you know. Yeah, we're not hyping you up. We're putting you in rage mode. Yeah. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll just rage about movies for forty minutes. Cool. Oh, that's why we're here. <laughs> that's what podcasts are all about. Exactly. Um, so Ria, I'm going to give you the honor of revealing what your film is uh, for your debut poster. Well, it is the uh, undeniably weird and uh, not celebrated movie, Howard the Duck. 
Ah, uh, yes. The most uncelebrated Marvel film of yeah. all time. How the Duck. Uh, ni- 1986 movie, yep. I believe. The, the, the 1986 $36 million atomic bomb of that era. Um, and before we jump into this little piece of cinematic history, we actually just wanted to talk to you a little bit about broadly your relationship with cinema. I know that you have worked extensively as like an amazing commercial illustrator, also with your personal arts practice um, over the last what, like 10 years, I, mm. I want to say, um, that we really want to explore in this podcast how cinema impacts the practice of an artist. Um, it's funny that you said that because my major um, uh, university project when I did art school was um, based around my relationship with movies and how it's what? basically. I know. Well, maybe you guys did a research me before you did this podcast. Oh. I don't know. It's like <laughs> it's like ten years ago. Don't worry, I'm I'm old. Uni was forever ago. Um, I fucked up so bad. <laughs> It's okay. Just blowing up that we're not a real podcast. Oh, how could you guys? I'm just a dog in a lab coat. (laughs) Two dogs in one big lab coat. Two kids in a trench coat trying to get into the movies and they're fucked up. Yeah, exactly. We're getting into Howard the Duck as we'll get into it. Everything leads back to this fucking movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I swear on this podcast? Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, absolutely. Good. Wait, hang on. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, so like my, like the earlier part of like my artistic career, if you want to call it that, was really to do with how like movies and pop culture, um, influenced my childhood and then influenced what I wanted to draw and how I interpreted the world. And so, um, my, yeah, my big university project when I graduated was a series of, I think I had six or eight, um, film posters, like illustrations in the style of film posters with like my own characters and my own like um, photography with illustration and then um, because my dad was still working as a screen printer at the time this is how fucking old I am hey you're in good company here my friend <laughs> yeah. nobody we're under we're the age of 30 exists old. in this world <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the moral of the story we're all old um, we are talking about movies from the 80s yeah exactly (laughs) it is true it is true um but yeah so we we printed out um the works that i did onto um he had original um, i'm gonna say original but it's more like butcher's paper from the 80s that he had left over um stock from when he was doing way more printing back then he had i would say like 20 to 30 sheets he's like do you want to use this and i was like fuck yeah and so we printed them onto this paper that had this gorgeous, like, yellow tone to it. It was so, like, I can't even describe it, but, like, I would say within a month, the um, prints were already, already starting to disintegrate. Oh, wow. So it, it wasn't, like, holding onto the paper anymore. Anyway, so we took those and then we um, pasted them up onto MDF. And I yeah. had these, like, huge, like, oh, I don't know, two or three meter high balls of MDF Then we then put them together and made like a six meter long installation at my university. And that was, yeah, like me, like reinterpreting um, the posters from my childhood into a poster wall, which was like my dad's background. And uh, yeah, so yeah, it's funny that you were asking that question because yes, (laughs) a lot of my practice is about that. Well, that's, that's incredible. Like being able to sort of like 
collaborate with your, your dad and also make everyone else's project look like shit at the same time. Yeah, dude, wiping the floor with everyone else in that, in that classroom. <laughs> I did win two awards that night. I was like, oh, fuck, I, I, re- I really cocked it up, didn't I? It I got sounds, my dad in on this. It sounds well-deserved, to be honest. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Oh, man, that's so cool. So yeah. I knew that you, you had, like, a bit of a uh, family history with, like, the the print media of, of yeah, movies. in the blood. But I didn't realise that this had been kind of quite an integral part of your arts practice from back back in the day. So what you mentioned your your dad um screen printer. Also your your grandfather had a had his what do you call it? His toe dipped in the uh in the printing <laughs> world. That's what they that's what they all say, yeah, right? That's what they say. <laughs> um so my yeah, so my dad was a screen printer in the seventies and the eighties and he learned from his dad who was a sign writer in the fifties and sixties. And he learned from his dad who um basically did like when the when movies would premiere in like the thirties and the forties in Australia, often we wouldn't get the posters because mm-hmm. it was too expensive to like ship them over from the states, UK, yeah. whatever. So they would task the um, local film, not company, um, cinema, to repaint um, the posters. So they would hire artists to repaint them either the daybill format or um, the lobby cards or whatever else. And so my great grandfather, he and I think his brother, they did that. So not original artworks, but of course you'd have to have some level of skill in order to be able to recreate um, the poster. You'd have to be a fucking genius to be able to do that. (laughs) Like, there is no like, there there is no level at which I would place commercial illustrators or artists below. Like, that is so impressive to me. Incredible, like craftsmanship or like yeah true although have you seen some of the day bills out there from the 40s and the 50s there's some real stinkers where you're like who, who did oh. you hire to paint this this looks nothing like the <laughs> actor but some of the cinemas wouldn't have had the money or access to mm-hmm. the on staff painter like your grandfather mm-hmm. but exactly. so it might just be like old mate behind the counter he's like well uh, I guess I have to do this now you know when you like make a turkey by tracing your hand or whatever yeah. it's kind of that yeah. like effect where you're like if I trace their face then I'll get the, the perfect image and it's like tracing doesn't do shit unless you can also draw yeah, it's like, <laughs> so if true. the modern equivalent was to happen today it would just be like someone tracing like Dragon Ball artwork <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the, the taco restaurant with Goku like on the menu oh, <laughs> you haven't seen that it's alright I'll cut that out later. <laughs> no, no, no. This is inter- well. I was go- I was going to compare it to that lady that um accidentally painted over that Jesus painting or whatever. Oh, yeah. So she painted her own. Oh yes. You know, like the face. Yeah, that's <laughs> a perfect example of what some of these day bills look like. And it's so cool. It's really cool to hear that. Um, you know, there's actually so little information about the history of day bills and documentation of them outside of what is sort of you know coveted by collectors on ebay and on like movie memorabilia websites and stuff and so it's really cool to hear like a direct line about that also might i just add we had no idea that ria had this connection to day bills oh. until after we'd already asked you to, to take part in this <laughs> so it's just like, by, by pure happenstance like you you like, i think you told me about it like two weeks after we'd originally started chatting about the exhibition, I was like, holy shit, that's insane. <laughs> accidentally the most qualified person. Yeah, I know. Well, 
yeah. too qualified. <laughs> now you're hyping me up for my poster. It better be fucking good, right? Oh, we know. Oh, we know it will oh, be. Oh, stop. I mean, I wish I had some of my great-grandfather's stuff, but, like, obviously they weren't keeping the, the day bills because, like, they would just paste them up and then be like, okay, this is done, and just chuck it in the trash. So my dad has nothing from that era, which is a real shame. That's why they're collector's items. Well, that's it. It's stuff that's disposable yeah. that gets, uh, you know, like old comics and stuff. That's why those old supermans and stuff were valuable yeah is because they were treated as disposable and no and one kept them also so. paper disintegrates paper especially mm. in australia we live in like a really bizarre climate yeah. especially in queensland mm. i remember yep. when i first moved back up to brisbane after living in melbourne for a few years i was like all my fun vintage clothing like in a suitcase <laughs> move up to brisbane i'd left them in the suitcase for like three days opened it up mold just completely moldy after a few days and i'm like how can anything survive here (laughs) that's brisbane that's brisbane baby hostile environment where's vegas people think australia is dangerous because of like snakes or bugs or whatever Mm. it's no like the climate will get you first oh yes the humidity will get you it'll it'll sweat your clothes out uh, and then you'll just be like, you know, 10% like dried up shriveledness. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then uh, then you get sunburned. Yeah. yeah. That's it. If you survive that, then the mold will get you. Yeah, that's yep. right. That's it, the toxic mold. It's the big rot. That's yeah. what we like to call it. <laughs> so other than, um, you know, you've obviously had this amazing connection with movies, like through your family history, through your arts practice at uni. On, like, if you could come down to the gutter with us for just a moment. Okay. I'm, I want to know whether there is, like, a movie or piece of media from your childhood that really stuck out to you as, like, you know, when you're walking through the VHS store and you find, like, through the horror section, that kind of gives you chills and makes you scared in a good way. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. you, you get scared, but you want to, you get intrigued. Like, so you want to go back and steal another glance exactly (laughs) or like maybe i want to like i want to make that myself do you think that maybe your experience with that was less in the vhs store and more in the the archival drawers of your of your dad's um, screen printing business um i I would say a bit of both but i don't know about you guys but like i grew up in scarborough which is you know next to redcliffe and we had one vhs store and I remember the layout of that place so fucking well. Like I could walk into that building now, and I think it's like a gym or something these days, whatever, mm-hmm. and just be like, oh, yeah, the kids' sections to the left and the horror sections down the back, yeah. and there's like, um, what do you call it, the Super Nintendo cartridges on this oh, side yeah. and oh, yes. all that kind of stuff. They had a pinball machine, and I remember it being really dark inside, and like it was such a fucking experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, I was always in the kids section because my mom was very like, okay, G-rated movies for you until yeah. you're 15 and then you can watch like the M movies. So I was yeah. a bit, you know, not restricted, but... You had good parents. <laughs> also, like when you're a kid, like that's the stuff you want. Like I yes. remember like, you know, again, going back to the layout, it was this massive video shop, but the kids section was like right down the back corner mm-hmm. in this weird little like... Uh, walled off section in a weird way but to get there you'd have to like walk through like the horror section sort of (laughs) you could go another way around but i always used to yeah 
enjoy that. And um, but yeah, once you're in the kids section, that's where you get all the stuff you're into at that age. Exactly. But it's like there's 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 something to the the tactile nature of of those those spaces and those rooms mm. that I think has you know it's something we're trying to get to the bottom of with this podcast is like how those experiences um kind of innately impact the way that you approach art like or illustration or any yeah. kind of creative practice as mm. as you grow older and those things kind of stick in your ear like a little earworm you know like <laughs> but it's funny how it sticks in your subconscious from that age though like I would say what like four or five or six like before you get into uh into school like there's just glimpses of things that you would have seen like either in the VHS store or on TV or like Mm -hmm. in the movie theater and then like years later you're making a piece and you're like man this feels like so familiar I don't know if this has happened to you guys but it's happened to me and I've finished a piece and then like I've seen a poster online of a movie that I've literally not seen since I was a kid and I've picked like the same colors or the same text or like the same composition. I'm like, how long was that? You know, in my subconscious, <laughs> yeah, it was like, like a good buried. fucking movie, right? <laughs> and it's like, it was so weird when it happened. I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess that was just like sitting back there for, you know, collecting cobwebs or in, whatever. In else. the in Rhea's mind palace, yeah. there's just like buried <laughs> deep. But that also is like. You have no control over what gets lodged in there, really. None at all, none at all. And I see it in, like, your work, Sam, and I see it in yours as well, Phoebe. Like, we we all kind of use a similar palette that is so specific to, like, I would say, you know, 80s, but, like, Mm. a very specific part of the 80s, like, that particular pink or that particular purple or whatever else. Like, it's just part of our makeup, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, definitely, like, being a kid and like being attracted to certain colors like you'd see and they would use them to advertise toys or movies or something Mm -hmm. like i don't know like look at goosebumps or something and that you know like tim jacobus yeah but like their branding Mm. and shit like obviously i love that sort of obnoxious like lime green which was very prevalent Mm -hmm. in the early 90s and stuff (laughs) but like there's a good example of like they would always have these like super bold super saturated colors that are designed to catch your eye and they just have that appeal and it's mm. the first it's the first kind of really uh grown-up visual art that you're you encounter as a kid as well like you know you unless you you I don't know maybe I'm showing my ass a little bit here because I'm like hugely <laughs> sheltered childhood but I was like you know movies were kind of my first introduction mm-hmm. to like beautiful visual media Mm. um and i remember quite specifically seeing gremlins for the first time Uh and it absolutely rocking my fucking world and then going (laughs) to movie world and then going on the gremlins ride and i'm like i want to do this for the rest of my (laughs) life if if i can like build a gremlin (laughs) then i will be happy so your goal is to build a gremlins ride yeah that's it (laughs) you saw what my shove looked like (laughs) it did have like toxic waste barrels oh man (laughs) i think it's probably about time we get into our movie so what can one say about howard the duck um, it's an extremely fucked up movie that I hadn't watched until yesterday. I expected to hate it, but ended up having an absolute 
ball. I don't know about you guys. Um, it's a $36 million disaster, the very first Marvel movie ever made. It stars the titular Howard the Duck, a horrible little beast of an anthropomorphic, <laughs> wisecracking duck person who is pulled out of his duck dimension by a mysterious wormhole and dropped into the confusing human world. In the first three minutes of the movie, you see two pairs of bare naked tits with human-like nipples. <laughs> the tone of this movie... They're on ducks, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> on, on, du- on, duck, uh, on duck buddies. The tone of this movie is inscrutable. And to you both, I ask, do you think... This is a movie that was made for kids. No. No. <laughs> no. I think there's a, there's a weird time where they would try and make these movies with puppets and stuff but aimed at an older audience. Mm. Uh, what do you think, Rhea? Is this um, pre-Labyrinths? Oh, this Ooh. is 86. 86. Because, like, I don't know about you guys, and I've said this a million times already, but... The, the way that the, the tone, like the tone of the movie and the way that it's shot and the puppetry reminds me so much of Dinosaurs. Do you remember that TV yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. Yes. I do remember that. Yes. That, that was also probably not really aimed at kids because they were like a super just like working class family. It was mm-hmm. kind of like married with children, but with dinosaurs. <laughs> exactly. Isn't it just like Roseanne, but it's dinosaurs? Yeah, yes. yeah, that's a better example. Like, almost... It's probably less hateful than married <laughs> yes. with children. Or married with children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it has um, a really interesting visual style this movie so basically the main character and i don't want to give away too much of the plot today because i want everyone to go see this yes, in the cinema um for both screening um on the uh, 6th of august it's going to be screening 6th of august, it's a um double feature with the uh super- other much maligned super mario brothers movie <laughs> yeah uh, two- so maybe not aimed at children yeah, that's right. But it's like, so Howard the Duck has a main character. He's an anthropomorphic duck um, who is a comic book character from the Marvel series. In this film, they have made the stylistic decision mm-hmm. to put him, a guy, put a little person in a costume yep. uh, that has an animatronic mouth, eyebrows, and blinking eyes that I can only describe as Steve (laughs) Buscemi-like in their appearance. (laughs) Yeah. They are very pink. He's upsetting. (laughs) (laughs) Did we love it? Did we hate it? Um, I think, like, the first watch, I was a bit like, what the fuck? And then the second watch, I was, like, really enjoying it. And I think, I don't know about you guys, but the... the first like quarter of the movie is pure trash and then the last three quarters is really good yeah it's it's a funny movie and i do truly implore everyone to go out and see it because it was one that i entered thinking was going to be unwatchable unenjoyable but i think it goes to show how like uh incohesive modern movies are for the most part because I was like wow this movie has a beginning middle and an end <laughs> like it this is like really enjoyable it looks really good yeah <laughs> it, it's it's still a bit like you can tell they've hacked it up a bit in the editing yeah because there's like mm. stuff that's not explained mm-hmm. but yeah this movie looks great you can tell that they spent 36 million dollars on it <laughs> yeah. 
Like, it's just too bad it's about a horrible little duck man. Yeah. So in the first, um, the first uh, like, ten minutes of the movie, Howard the Duck, he's sucked out of his, his world. And i got to say, I wish that they'd stayed in that world just, like, a little bit longer. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he's, he's living in a universe where everyone is ducks. Everything has been replaced with the word duck or something yeah. like the, the number of duck puns in this is absolutely outrageous. Is there anything in the visual style that really stuck out to you, Ria? Um, I feel like this movie, like, obviously it came off the back of Back to the Future and mm-hmm. it's not directed by um, Robert Zemeckis who did um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit directly after Back to the Future and I feel like this movie sits between... Back to the Future and Hoover and Roger Rabbit really well. Like it mm, kind yeah. of has a style language that borrows from both movies, even though one was shot after the other. But in the same way, it has like, is it the 1940s? Because I feel like um, Howard's world is very like film noir in a weird yeah. way. Like it, it's yeah. like that classic Hollywood feel. And then he gets put into the 80s, which we all know the 80s is filthy and disgusting and dirty like in yeah. Master Future Part 2 where yeah. um, you know Marty ends up in the alternative 1985 and like Biff Tannen is like you know, Trump is charge. president yeah 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 and it's like it's like Vegas and it's like dirt bikes everywhere like that's the world that Howard gets put into but it's also like Cleveland Ohio which you know for us Aussies were like haha what's Cleveland Ohio but as we know from watching other American movies it's like not the middle of nowhere, but it's not New York and it's not LA or, or whatever. Everything I've ever heard about Cleveland makes it sound like the most uh, hectic, psycho place. Exactly, so exactly. So I, I really appreciated that they set this movie in. For some reason, in Cleveland, Ohio. But yeah, like on a visual language or a visual style, this movie looks fucking fantastic. Yes. Like, the costuming is good. Like there is so much thought put into every character's costume in terms mm-hmm. of like even fabrics, colors, whatever. Every single thing that Leah Thompson is wearing is like insane. Yeah. And she like, she, 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 she trapezes around the movie in these tiny fucking mm-hmm. skirts. But at the same time, she's not really sexualized that much, which was kind of weird. Until oh, that good. one time. Oh, yeah. yeah, until that one time. Yeah, but that's different. <laughs> no. Felt like, you know, with the intro, with the, like, when I talk about visual elements that mm. inspired you, what you're working on, mm. like, when she mm. finishes, like, she plays in a band, mm-hmm. and then as she's leaving, when she meets Howard, yes. she's got this really cool sort of, like, extremely 80s jacket, which yes. is, like, red with, like, these stripes sort of like, like almost Keith Haring kind of like characters on the arm. Yes. Was it a Keith Haring design because it looks like his work uh, so much. Where is know. that jacket now? I, who knows? Yeah. Hopefully in a hard rock cafe somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was through that lens I was like if I had to do a poster for this, I would just find any way to incorporate that jacket. Man, this... Just so many busy, clashing patterns the everywhere. The patterns... It, it was funny, like, how incredibly perfect I feel like this movie matched up with your interests specifically, Ria. Like, the whole time <laughs> I was watching it, I was like, holy fuck, Ria must be losing her shit. All of oh, these clashing yes. patterns. And this movie um, leans into a trope that... I know you and I love so much, Sam, which is punks in movies. (laughs) I noticed that too. I was like, look at those punks hanging outside. They're really lame gigs. Yeah. Yeah. Super lame. Every time a 
there's an eighties like oh we have to have some street toughs like uh-huh. harassing someone. They just go for like this really cartoony <sighs> punk just thing. like teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah. style mm. like visors yeah. and like it's like um this movie reminds me of there's this movie called Streets of Fire, mm. which is kinda like extremely eighties but kind of through that, there's like a weird 50s bent to it. But it's all like based around music and motorbike gangs and mm-hmm. it's got like a young Willem Dafoe. So the a bit, like the sort of gig bit at the start reminded me of that. Yes. But the, <laughs> but the classic like street tough punk gang is such a good shtick of the 80s and 90s. But this movie, they're all like very... Uh, new romantic as well like yes. they're like all there's no like spikes and yeah. studs it's just like lace and yeah. like mesh and leather oh to- it's like super mm. super campy punks yeah. I, I just i specifically love you know paintings of punks where they've got these really extravagant outfits like they're kind of queer coded in a way but then they're also like anarchistic like bloodthirsty wackos that are like yeah. i want to kill god damn it yeah. like yeah. as soon as they see a woman on this street they're like let's kill her guys yeah. and it's so funny as a comparison to modern day punks that are like okay me and my roommates have set up we all need to vote on who gets to do the dishes next <laughs> or whatever and it's like a very gentle space of gentle yeah. people so it's, it's very ironic to see that the like contrast of like yeah wearing- leathers and spikes and uh as how that kind of like opposes the kind of temperament yeah exactly but in the movies that it's like they look like bad guys so they're gonna act like bad guys well did you guys see like that second bar scene where like howard is having a little fight with their manager like that's not a spoiler because like that's not even half the fucking story no anyway, we're like four minutes into the movie at this point <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's it's very early days, and yet, like that first bit of the movie encapsulates an entirely different story from the rest of the movie. It's yeah. like, anyway, my point is, you know, like how was having this little fight, and there's like these three goons, and like yeah. one is like their manager, like the band's manager, mm-hmm. and then like his weirdo friend, and then this guy in a fucking cowboy hat with uh, like a Russian accent. Yeah, uh, one of them's wearing like a fedora, and is kind of like a bit of a. Going back to your 40s thing, like yeah, a, a weird like, sort of like gangster. Oh, boy, say. He has that accent. He's like, Beverly, make love to me or whatever. It's like, well, I mean, <laughs> like a fucking, like, the tone of this movie, it's just all over the place. It's all place. over the place. I got to say, the, the really, really big standout outfit for me in this movie yeah. was one of the punks that tries to attack uh, Leah Thompson's character in the the first half. He's wearing this big leather jacket, like big '80s batwing jacket, and he's cut out all of these baby doll heads oh, and yeah. stuck them yeah. to his jacket, like they're pins or studs. Yeah, it's weird. And I think mm. it's kind of the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like it looks amazing on screen, but I'm like, that would be such a cool like illustration as well. Yeah. Like that would just you know translate really nicely honestly this whole movie is just fertile ground oh, for yeah. like costuming mm. and like time. character development like i was like this, mm. it'd be so fun to draw anything from this movie yeah. like, absolutely and the set design too like can we mm. talk about real quick how 80s movies that style women yeah they always live in a warehouse apartment <laughs> that's super run down on the outside but yeah. inside it is decorated like they have a shitload of money, but also have no design sense, but also it works in a weird way. Like she has 
don't know if you saw in the background of like um, after the scene, which we won't mention. That's really creepy. Um, <laughs> in the in the background, she has a roll of bubble wrap taped to the wall, but she's using it to like pin stuff on. I'm like, that's such a great idea. That's so cool. Yeah, that's another trope too. It's like. They, they go to her house and Howard's like, this place is a fucking dump. What, and she's you, like, you pay to live here? Yeah, she's like, yes. oh, I got it cheap. My manager got it for me. And they go into a place which would be nowadays like $10,000 like, a week to live in. Like, exactly. like a massive warehouse loft. Yeah, that transition mm-hmm. from him going, what a shithole, opening up into the big room. I'm like crying into yeah. my pillow <laughs> while I'm watching this. I'm like, must be nice. Must yep. be nice. Oh. The set of this film has one of those tropes that I adore yeah. from this era, which is every single road sopping wet. Yeah. Like some guys has gone out with, with a hose <laughs> and just wet the road because they've got those like light cans, the blue lights mm. that just shine mm. down on it. And they're like every single road in every yeah. American 80s or, movie is, is just yeah. like soaking and yet wet. it's not raining at any point in the movie. No, no. no. <laughs> Beside the point. It's probably that noir thing you're talking about before though. Mm. Or is yeah. it just that like ever since Thief came out and that movie is just all neon lights and rain so uh-huh. it's like yep. you get neon lights and then if the pavement's wet too or the asphalt then it reflects it so you get twice as exactly. many exactly you get lights. like a full mm. a full screen of just like dynamic like composition it looks so goddamn good like this movie even from the get-go like when howard kind of is hurtling through space for, for whatever reason. <laughs> this movie has some fucking amazing matte painting. Yes! Which looks great. Like, every time there's, like, a weird, like, you know, like, an establishing shot of, like, there's a laboratory later on, and when they show that, it's this really beautiful just painting, or, like, when yes. Howard's flying out of his city, and it's mm. kind of, like, this shot of, like... A duck version of, I guess, New York, but it's just like oh, this yeah. beautiful, like airbrushed kind of painting, and it's full of that. Mm. Do, why is it that matte paintings look better than real? Like, what what is it that, that makes them still look so fucking good? Because I I always imagine that they just age really badly. Sometimes they do. Sometimes mm-hmm. they do. Like but if like, you're trying to superimpose, but, but like Star Wars, a lot of that stuff is like big oil paintings. <sighs> Looks great. Um, Looks fucking fantastic. I think it's just kind of like practical effects where when things are sort of tangible, your brain picks up on that a bit more. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. It's like you you hack your brain. Yeah. <laughs> you heard it well, here first. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Star Wars, can, can I do like the SIG for you, uh, Phoebe? Is that okay? Speaking oh, my God. Star Wars. Um, Please. This is a George Lucas production movie. Yes. Oh, baby. I thought, I, for the longest time, I thought he actually directed it because it was always mm. sort of like, you know, this movie's been the butt of a joke for as long as I can remember. Yeah. But no, reading about this movie last night and um, I was like, oh, wait, George Lucas didn't direct it. This it's was... a man named Willard Ho- Hoik. Hoik? Uh, anyway, so I clicked on his name and saw that he has directed... He hasn't directed many movies, there's five, yeah. but one of them is a movie I adore, which is a very bizarre movie called Messiah of Evil from the <laughs> 70s, which is, which is a bizarre kind of like outsider 
existential dread horror mm. sort of movie. Mm. It, it's fantastic. I think it's still on YouTube if you're, if you're in the mood for a very 70s kind of like. Oh, surreal. yes, I know this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah We've got it on our list. It looks movie. amazing. So seeing that it kind of blew my mind <laughs> to pieces. It's It's so funny that this is a George Lucas movie. Like after, and you can totally see it. Because of all of the wacky shit, all of the mm. wacky dialogue and stuff, it just it just feels like George Lucas. But like George Lucas, like I don't know, just let off a leash a little bit. Like. Exactly, because like let's be honest, like the the screenwriters for the movie are his screenwriters from American Graffiti and something else, which I don't remember. Right. So the dialogue was always going to be bad. <laughs> um, and it does it does have that George Lucas feel to it, and it, it's funny that you said like it's surprising that he didn't direct it because you have Leah Thompson and um, Tim Robbins, who are two fucking fantastic actors, and the guy from um, uh, what's it called, Ferris Bueller, who's now a convicted sex offender, Jeffrey Jones. Yes, time for yeah. me to take a big sip of coffee and then Google Jeffrey Jones controversy on Google. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's on the sex offender list, so FYI. Um, um, anyway, you've got three really great actors, and they all give the most wooden performances, except for Jeffrey Jones as, well, spoiler, I can't say what he turns into. Everyone else's performances are really fucking terrible, and it reeks of George Lucas' yeah. direction. Well, yeah. when Tim Robbins showed up, I was like, wait a minute. They got... They got... Tim, Tim Robbins, Robbins in this? this? I know. It's his first movie. Mr. Really? Redemption? Yeah. Shit, I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, it's wild. Like, everyone in this movie, it feels like they're acting in a different movie. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, like, they're acting like it's a kid's movie as well. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like, the over overacting. And, like, Leah Thompson has, like, she makes her own sound effects. Yeah. She, when she goes to her half, she makes the noise of, like, like a, a cartoon going off in a half. I'm like, who told her to do that? It's really bad. It's just like, or well, I don't know if you if you caught this line, but like her and her bandmates are hanging out backstage. Yeah. And mm. Tim Robbins comes in going, blah, 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 science, whatever. And then apparently he's dating one of the girls in the band. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was just like... Yeah. And then um, something else happens in the background and you can just hear him go, um, no time for sex, doing work now. No. Oh. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> oh, no. It's the like, who wrote that line? Well, because he comes in and he... Uh, everyone is just like extremely inappropriate to all of these women in this band. <laughs> Like even oh. especially, even especially how uh-huh. he's uh-huh. just kind of like a little sex pest yeah. for most of the movie. Yeah, he was like stroking for... like the girls' their legs. Or yeah, and I was like, oh, so cute. And I don't know if you guys picked up this vibe, but to me, Howard really feels like a stand-in Woody Allen character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> like like just a small guy who is yeah. ugly, <laughs> and yet he gets all the women because haha, he's the main character. It's, it's his true. movie. It's called Howard the Duck. It's his yeah. movie. That's it. And he has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. No, he's just he's he's just outright rude to everybody. He sucks the whole way through. <laughs> the the, the yep. entire he's like, oh, what if we invented a character where everything he said was a complaint of some kind? Yeah, or a duck <laughs> pun. And also yes. he's horrible and he's awful to look at. Like, <laughs> there's something just really 
awful about his like, little outfits though. His outfits his are cool. Goodwill outfits, they're cute. Like there's, I sent a message to, I took a screenshot and sent it to my friend. Mm. I was like, check out this fit, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> later in the movie where Howard the Duck is wearing camo full cargo pants uh, yes. with a paisley button up shirt, a bolo tie, suspenders, yes. a Doctor Who scarf, and then like yep. this sick silk jacket with a big tiger embroidered mm. on the back and i was like oh, this is man. amazing and sh- our friend sean was just like he dresses like little uzi vert <laughs> <laughs> this is just no, how everyone like, dressed yeah, in 1986 he's dressed like a tiktoker yeah like, he looks he like a kid from today <laughs> there's like there's so many parts of this movie where it felt like uh everyone was like everyone involved in the movie was playing a game of telephone so like they everyone took turns writing the script one word at a time and then everyone mm-hmm. took turns like designing the costumes like in a blind but room or I'll whatever yeah exactly that's uh, it yep. yeah so like this movie is two hours long might i just add well, yeah just shy mm-hmm. i did not expect and that. 25 no. minutes of that is a is a chase sequence um oh, yeah, like yeah. a very very lengthy chase sequence and i enjoyed it inc- like immensely i had a very very good time watching this but i was like I am astounded that this is a two-hour movie. It is kind mm. of crazy. But it's, you know, it's set a, a pathway for future Marvel movies to come. Yeah, nothing's under two and a half hours these days. So um, in terms of your approach to the poster, Rhea, is there um, any visual elements from this film that you've, like, zeroed in on and wanted to kind of draw out and, and center for, for your design? Um, it's funny because I went through a, a few different designs, um, both before I watched the movie and after I watched the movie to see mm. how my perception changed. And like, I think like Beverly really has to be front and center because she's like the big visual part of the movie. And also yes. I don't want to draw this weird little fucking duck. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't want to just draw this disgusting little freak. He's like, oh, uh, he's yeah. so disturbing. But, um, but also, like, I don't know if we're going to talk about it much, but, like, um, the the lighting effect, um, I don't know how much I can say without ruining the No, plot, no, you, right? can, you can go for it, girlfriend. Yeah, like, it's all okay. good. The lightning is kind of like a big visual hook that will actually, like, is some of the better stuff in the movie. So oh, yeah. Talk yes, about it. exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's... Yeah, let, well, let's talk about it. it this it's movie so... is 36 years old. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, well, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it yet, well, <laughs> fucking watch it. Um, but the visual effects are so well done. Mm. And um, especially the effect of the main villain, I uh, won't name him, um, he, he has like this power where his eyes light up and Ooh. then like these beams uh. shoot out either side. But, like, at one point in the movie, it actually, like, zooms in on the beams a little bit more. And they're, they're individually drawn yes. flames, like yeah. blue yes. flames. And when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, like, that's so much extra work. And it looks so fucking cool. And, like, it's just, like, this long line that goes, like, the whole, like, length of, like, some of the shots. It's yeah. like, psycho. I, I got to put that into the poster somehow. But also, like, convicted sex offender. I know. And I don't know what to do. Uh, like, uh, quite uh, fitting that he turns into like this horrible, uh, unspeakable beast. Like, like he, he ends up like very like greasy and like mm-hmm. being like a literal monster. Yeah, he yeah, transforms. True, true. 
And on that note, did you not notice that the second half of this movie is the plot of Men in Black? Oh my I god, you're so right. Yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio's character. Yeah, like, as the bug guy. Like, Greatest performance of all time. Oh, incredible. Like. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it was totally that. Because they kind of... He's, he's the bad guy, but they're kind of like begrudging friends with him as well <laughs> yeah they team up in that. that diner oh that's like that that middle part of the movie is my favorite part it's like can i just get the road trip with howard <laughs> yes and this fucking guy and like that you're right begrudgingly is the perfect word for it because in the diner like you know beverly keeps saying let's just get you a cup of coffee and your stomach's gonna calm down or whatever the fuck she says and i was like get me the fuck out of here and this guy's like you know, having fun torturing people. I am the evil and, overlord of darkness. Yeah, that's right. And, and the waitress, who was the best character yeah. in the movie. Oh, she was, wasn't she? She was good. Oh, she's so well acted and so modern. Yeah. In a weird way. Yeah. She, like she dropped out of Stranger Things. She yeah. really did. I found that character really striking too. I'm going to have to like link to that scene. Her acting the- was like remarkable. Oh, she was like, great. Like in amongst <laughs> all of that. I just want to say that they go to a, like a very 50s looking diner, yes. but there's a big sign up the front that says Cajun Sushi. Yes. <laughs> Only in 1986, baby. So it's baby. all just like very 50s diner actors inside, like, you know, traditional <laughs> waiter, waitress, sort of <laughs> short order cook diner thing, but they've all got like those kamikaze sort of headbands. Yes. yes. It's like a bit uh, very 80s. Oh, it's so weird. It so just adds good. to this bizarre movie and how insane it is. This is why, like, at the start, I kind of throw out the question, like, is this a movie for kids? Because it's, it's like an adult movie with child logic. Yeah. You know, it's got all of this, like, you know, like it starts out with the premises that, you know, Howard the Duck has arrived in this world. Um, Oh my God, we need to hide him because everyone's going to be afraid of him and he's going to get like swallowed up by the military. And then it goes on this side quest for like 40 minutes where he's like, all right, better get a job now. (laughs) Time to get a job. Goes to Centrelink. Yeah, goes to Centrelink. That sounds made up, but it is exactly what happens. Exactly. And he gets a job at a fucking sauna. That's like for couples. I'm like, what is this place? It's so 80s. Yeah. A sex sauna. Like, a sex sauna. Every single set piece in this film has the, like, uh, dream logic of a child's mind, but then is executed with, like, the grimy kind of, like... Yeah, well, maybe that's... <laughs> I, it could be what the comic's like. Yeah. Initially. I don't know. I haven't read any How the Dark. Yeah, and I <laughs> won't. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Probably. I'm not going to. <laughs> it was apparently meant to be animated and it was going to cost them too much money, so they made a $36 million movie instead. Oh, yeah. good. The, the um, revisions monster of 1986. Oh, yeah. Exactly. But it, it does read like an animated movie. Like, if, if you think about how each of those things is probably storyboarded. Yeah. And if you imagine in your mind it being animated and Howard having actual expressions on his face, you're like, oh, I could actually buy this. That yeah. could be okay. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I think it could have, even if they did something like um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where maybe Howard mm. was a 2D character in a realistic world, that might have even gelled a little bit better. Yeah. Mm. But there is some excellent, the, the big monster you know, spoilers again, but 36-year-old movie. Uh, <laughs> the stop-motion monster at the end is pretty incredible. Fantastic. And mm. as I was watching Terrifying. it, I was like, ah, oh, I wonder if Phil Tippett worked on this. 
Uh, and he did. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, my oh, God. He's shit. got his uh, style all over it. That's amazing. So you've um, you, you've focused on this, like, buddy comedy kind of element. Yes, absolutely. Like, the four, those four main characters, um, I know I have to use the taglines which go with the movie, but I'm so tempted to, like, make up my own duck pun. But the oh. ones that came with the movie are pretty fucking good. I think it's, like... Um, uh, born into a world he never made or some shit and then yeah. um, <laughs> something about rolls off the and... tongue <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah something about eggs <laughs> something about... there's some duck puns in there I don't know but like, just, yeah this like buddy cop feel that like, his four main characters and like the evil overlord with like his glowing eyes mm-hmm. it's like yeah. where was the rest of that movie and all the shit around it like give me that yeah I yeah, hear you true. Mm. I think that's fantastic Ria and I cannot wait to see the poster oh, that you come up with. I'm, I'm very much so, excited so excited. Especially after having watched the movie. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, like and and being like pleasantly surprised that this movie I thought was going to be awful mm. was like actually much better than I expected, but also like looks fantastic and has like if if people have been avoiding this movie and you like eighties movies, like, you know, eighties uh, comedies or whatever. Action if adventure. You just, if you like that sort of 80s vibe and that aesthetic, yeah. this has had a lot of money pumped into that and it's worth a look for that. It's, yeah, I, I kind of almost put it in the same um, like tier as like Beetlejuice or something in terms mm. of like that that tone like where Beetlejuice is kind of this like kind of insane horny character (laughs) it's like not quite on par with Howard the Duck but like it has that same similar kind of entertainment value Howard's Mm. just kind of turned it up to its uh, logical conclusion like cartoon character yeah that's it Mm. (laughs) and it ends at a rock concert how much more 80s can you possibly get oh Oh, with an original score as well with an original song the theme song it made me laugh so much like the song at the end, you know, Howard's become the manager of this band and mm-hmm. they're like on to bigger and better things, mm-hmm. playing the big concert. And then they start, they dedicate a song to him and yep. start singing this song where the chorus is just Howard the Duck. Yep. And I'd be like, if I was in the audience, like, I love this band. And they started playing a song with that <laughs> as the chorus with no content. No. I'd be like, what, what the fuck is Everyone's going just on? screaming and pulling their hair out. Just like, <laughs> what is that? What is that horrible thing? What the fuck and is going like, on? <laughs> song and it's so heavily hinted that like this is her fucking boyfriend it's like all right well she's fucking a duck whatever is it also uh i didn't bother to like investigate but there's a bit where they're at beverly's house and howard Mm. sees the like keyboard set up and he like fucks around the drum machine and turns it on and starts like writing music he starts like he's like oh Mm. it's just a little song i'd been Mm. working on for a while was the song at the end like that song? Yes. So it's the same he, song. Oh, yes. You're joking. Yes. I can't believe I didn't put those two together. Oh, it's like stupid, yeah. but I yeah. was like, I wonder if that's the song. Cause they kind of like credit him for like, Oh, you know, he gave us the inspiration to, or the motivation yep. to kind of like keep going. My God. Around. Move over fabulous stains. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then he comes out and he, <laughs> he ends up on the stage. Like yeah, he's like, I don't want to be on guitar. stage, but then, some guy comes up and like straps a duck-sized electric guitar. It's to a scientist. <laughs> oh, we just Did had it lying around. 
it's Tim Robbins' character who's now like the the stage manager for some reason in this like white shirt. Yeah. And he like gives Howard this tiny red guitar, and it's like, well, okay. He's sure. he's given up his dreams of like being a scientist. He's like, you know what? Really I'm gonna start up. building guitars for tiny little guys. Yeah, <laughs> and they I'm pretty sure they gave him the guitar just. So they could do another duck pun and have him do the track, the track Barry Duck <laughs> yeah. Walk with the guitar, which he does. With Leah Thompson, who then does the splits for no reason. And she does all of her own singing in the movie, by the way. Really? Yeah. I believe it. Good okay. for you, Leah. Also. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, but I've um, created a, a, a sorted little letterboxed list um, where Leah Thompson has starred in two movies apparently possibly three where she's trying to fuck something that she shouldn't oh, in back yeah. to the future yeah. her son, her son. <laughs> yeah. in howard the duck howard the duck <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and apparently there's another movie that she was in called casual sex which was really really bad uh, a very right. very dodgy 80s movie but leah thompson you had a, a very unique career that was the birth of several weird boners. Um, so <laughs> pouring one out for you, big dog. <laughs> and on that note, yeah. I mean, honestly, watching that movie, like you said, wasn't half as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like, was it very cringy at some parts? Oh, incredible. Yes. Of course. But, like, there's, like, good 80s cringe and then there's, like, are these two characters actually going to fuck on screen and do I have to watch it cringe? And that was... <laughs> Like, I was covering my eyes. It was I'm, so bad. Yeah, I was yeah, that, folding into myself, uh, definitely. That bit is bizarre because, yeah, as we were saying before, like, he's kind of, like, a horrible kind of, like, little pest for the movie, like, constantly being extremely inappropriate to mm-hmm. these women. And then he kind of, like, hints it to her and she kind of, like, calls his bluff and, mm-hmm. like, starts making some moves and he just, like... So, oh, I was just joking. Like, no, no, I would never yeah. do that. I'm like, wait, is he like withdrawing consent? What's happening right now? I don't understand. Oh, uh, the absolute highlight of the film when they pull out the the tiny how the duck condom out of that oh, wallet. Awful. Oh, big well, moment for me personally. Why Sorry, is it just a raw fucking condom. I don't know. Why is no, it in anything? No packet. <laughs> yeah, like she's rifling through his wallet. Yeah, That's yeah. where it is. Why does he have it in there like that? Why is it? loose (laughs) she's just like the fact that she's so weirdly charmed by him throughout the entire movie it Mm. makes zero sense this woman is mentally ill someone's gotta help her (laughs) is it just leah thompson not selling the role but it's just like why is she like she calls him ducky and stuff it's like it's it's nasty man though it's kind of a trope you know like well through oh god until quite recently where like if a character was sarcastic and a dickhead it was meant to be like, no, they're cool. They just say it how it is. Mm. Like they're they're the main character True. and they're yeah. just a fucking tool. But you're meant to like right. it. And like his voice actor sounds like he's in his forties or fifties, which doesn't make it any better. And apparently Robin Williams recorded yeah. a day or two of work on it, but because mm-hmm. they wow. got in to record after they finished shooting the movie. So they oh, okay. they asked him to match like the lip flaps of the puppet and he's like fuck, I can't fucking do this. And he just bolted off the project. I mean, fair enough. Wait, so, they, so they did it the other way around. They filmed it and yeah. then yep. were like, we'll just, we'll just fill it in later. Oh, Which yes. is crazy that to is me. That is insane. insane. Absolute insanity. And you're like, hire Robin Williams. You're like, no, you just have to read this exact script. You're not. Yeah. 
you're getting a chance. Robin Williams like, famous for, for staying on script for everything yeah, that he's done. Like someone should have <laughs> stepped in. Someone should have said something. I also heard that Martin Short uh, read for this role as well, mm. which would have been that would have been fantastic. Much better, yeah. Swoop me. <laughs> It is kind of striking to think now about how we see Marvel movies as these like, you know, super high budget, super pre-visualized, pre-planned kind of like monoliths and how incredibly sexless they are and quite puritanical as well in many ways. Mm. Obviously, Thor that's coming up, you mentioned earlier, Sam, may may have a little bit of a... It'll still be like pretty neutered, but they're like... yeah. You know, there's the. I've only seen the trailer, but mm. like Russell Crowe, like flicking Thor's clothing off. off. Nice. Yeah, and yeah. like, ooh, do we help him? <laughs> like, no, a little. Yeah, so it's kind of. It's striking to see as a comparison between like how far the. Yeah, <laughs> Star like has every fallen. other movie is like extremely sexless. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then Howard the Duck is a horny little gremlin. So horny. Oh my God. Do we bring. Rhea, do you think we should bring sex back to, to Marvel movies? I don't give a shit about Marvel. I'm sorry. But these movies are fucking trash. No, I don't... Yeah, I know. No. I'm with you. Bring sex back to Star Wars. Mm. Although Pedro Pascal already Brother, did Brother-sister sex, specifically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, the sex. Like, you know, having, like, fucking... Oh, I don't know. Everything's fucking trash. I just watched the Kenobi series and I want my life back. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, it was a uh, bad. Yeah, that sucked, man. That was real bad. <laughs> Very bad. <laughs> I, had a, I had an extremely shit time watching that. Me oh, too. Poor Ewan McGregor. <laughs> yeah, oh. poor, poor Ewan. I hope they gave him a huge bag of money for that. Yeah, he was a producer and stuff. He would have got paid well. Good for you, Ewan. Um, Ria, I think we've got to wrap up for tonight. We've um, reached just over an hour. But I wanted to thank you so, so much for joining us on the podcast today and for taking part in this crazy little poster show. <laughs> We're so lucky to have you. Um, to see more from Ria, follow Young Earl Grey on Instagram um, or click through the links in our bio. Mm-hmm. You can see Ria's amazing debut poster and the rest of the gang together on opening night of Both, Brisbane-only Rotoscope Lightning Film Festival, which opens on July 29th at New Farm Cinemas in Brisbane. Howard the Duck is part of a double feature with Super Mario Brothers on August 6th. Take it from us, it is worth it. Oh, on a big screen, it'll be fun. Mm. Oh, yeah. I wish I was there. I know, I wish you could come up. I'm Mm. gonna like try and pull my coins together to get you a flight up here, Rio. (laughs) To see Howard the Duck. (laughs) Again, for the third time. Hey, I'll be going. I'll be going back for more. Rest assured. Rhea, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. It's been so much fun to talk to you about movies and posters and this just utterly strange movie. (laughs) Um, It's been a blast. Okay, no more duck puns, no more horny ducks. I'm done. (laughs) Do you have anything you want to plug uh, while you're with us, Dolly? Um, To be honest, no, because um, you guys are awesome and I'm just very pumped to be in the show and I really hope people do come and see it because, like you said, seeing these movies on the big screen is such a fucking pleasure. You don't really get a chance to see classic movies up big, so go and see it. Have fun. Yes. Go look at the posters, look at the cool rotoscoping. It's very cool, so... 
thank you so much again for joining oh, us. Uh, yeah, thank you. Guys, we love you. Uh, from me, Sam, and the Dark Overlord of the Universe, um, have a good one. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.